Welcome to InCheck with Fintech. This week we have Niels from Treasurer. Niels started his career in M&A in Amsterdam and Hong Kong and then became the business manager of global sales within the Global Financial Markets Department and subsequently the head of electronic distribution at Global Financial Markets where he helped build a new foreign exchange platform. Now he is the CEO of Treasurer after winning an innovation campaign at Rabobank in 2016. So yeah, I always start by saying welcome to the show, Niels. Thank you very much. <laughs> Great to be here in, in Utrecht in uh, on the seventh floor looking out over the central station, I think it is. Not bad, isn't it? Yes, it's not, it's not our, our office. We are going to get a very nice one next door. And, but due to COVID uh, challenges with logistics globally, it's um, the building is there, but the furniture isn't. Oh, wow. So we need to wait for another few months. All right, okay, fair yeah. enough. But that's next door. Here. Yeah, yeah, a very nice building uh, and we're going to rent just a few small rooms. We asked the team, like what would you prefer, a large office on the edge of Utrecht or small offices in the center? Yeah, that was pretty clear, like <laughs> give us the center please. So um, we have uh, three very small rooms but in a fantastic location, very inspiring. It's said to be having DJs on a Friday afternoon oh, to wow. open the weekend with so what else can you wish for and there's lunch places downstairs so um, yeah the kind of <laughs> working environment that we like some good secondary benefits yeah yeah exactly people to join yeah uh, great yeah so for the listeners news you are the uh, founder or co-founder and the CEO of a company called Treasure Up yes uh, keen to get your insights into the company um, as well as discuss uh, some things uh, related to that but maybe first of all, how does one become the CEO and founder of Treasurer? <laughs> yeah, CEO always sounds quite something, uh, especially uh, like one or two years ago when you're still in the startup uh, phase. Um, it's quite a journey and it's quite a roller coaster that we've been uh, through. So um, maybe to give you a little bit of background on that, like um, we participated in an innovation campaign in 2016, early 2016, and to our own surprise, uh, Ariel, Marina, and myself are one of the three winning teams out of 163 globally. Mm -hmm. And um, um, that was on a Friday, Friday afternoon, um, and we didn't know what we were winning until we got this bunch of flowers uh, pushed in our hands. We said, oh, thank you very much. And then the subsequent thing they said, and that was literally how it went, like uh, from now on you're going to be taken out of your jobs, uh, and I was heading a corporate banking team back then. At Rabobank. At right? Rabo, yeah. indeed. Um, so you're going to stop right now for three months full time, because you're going to be educated by entrepreneurs, uh, including for example people like uh, Prince Constantine, uh, frontrunner oh, wow. for the Dutch FinTech uh, Society. Uh, but also people from Facebook flown in from the US, so it was really creme de la creme. People who sold their IT companies that are now helping startups to uh, build a company. And um, they started with us the next Monday. So uh, there we came, Ariel, Marina, myself in our bank suit. So that was the <laughs> first mistake we made. Uh, and they said, no, 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 don't do that. Uh, be yourselves. Uh, don't um, make any concessions. Be very close to yourself because it's not about that banking world anymore. It's about getting much close to yourself and to your idea. And we're going to validate your idea with as many target clients as we can. So go out there, go into the market and validate, validate, validate. Mm -hmm. At Fourthline, we use tech for good. We build products that have a major and long-lasting impact on the online financial ecosystem. We leverage a highly automated KYC product with a core of machine learning technologies, making us the most reliable fraud detection platform for KYC. 
As a product lead, you will take responsibility for an entire product suite in one of our critical verticals. Interested? Reach out to Tom Franken. Email in the description below. So our idea was around foreign exchange hedging. And um, the first responses we got from the first 10 clients that we visited based on our company, uh, corporate banking network, they said, well, we don't like it. So we came back to Amsterdam, we got this big applause, like, very well done, nobody likes it. And that's still something I use a lot also uh, in, in, in uh, presentations that I give, like um, to celebrate failure is pretty good because it's not a problem at all that they don't like it at that stage because we hadn't spent a single euro. Mm -hmm. So that's fine, it's just validation. And they said, but now try to find out what they like. And um, we learned that there's a huge gap between how those SME companies actually work uh, and what uh, Rabo in this case was offering in terms of online solutions to do their foreign exchange hedging. Um, and that was the start of building a little activity within Rabo. And then one or two years later, when it became a success amongst Rabo clients, they said, well, maybe you should move to the next stage, which is preparing for spinning out and building your own company independently. Mm -hmm. And then one of the questions during that trajectory, who's going to get which role? And um, Marine, Ayan and myself have a very complementary skill sets and experience. So. Um, uh, Marine uh, was the most logical one. He comes from Oracle, Unilever. He has a technical background in IT engineering, so there was no <laughs> doubt about that. He's going to be our CTO. Yeah. And then uh, Arjan is very blue, very structured, knows a lot about regulations, risk management. So also that became quite clear, like he's the CEO, a COO, sorry about that. And then um, I like the commercial part and mm -hmm. uh, I've been doing a lot of traveling in previous jobs. So I like to build networks, to build relationships, to sell things um, and um, also to spread the word maybe yeah, as a company and what we stand for. So uh, quite easily, I could say, the three of us came to that conclusion like this should be the division of roles. Mm -hmm. And that is at the same time also a moment that you swallow a little bit. Mm. Okay, so now apparently I'm a CEO. What is expected from me? And that is actually nice in this startup scale-up world. Like uh, there's quite a lot of freedom uh, and learnings from other companies to try to grow into that role. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you take over from a CEO in a company where with let's say 500 people or something because a lot of times then 90% of your role is already laid out in our experience it's like okay there's a lot of things expected in this role but there's nothing laid out so build it up do you like that more than working for a big corporate like Rabobank? And I think prior to that, you also worked for some, for some larger companies. So do, do you like this kind of entrepreneurial way of working better? Yeah, a lot more. Okay. Because um, in, in increasing uh, mode, I started to get frustrated around rules and processes that uh, in some ways um, were not really mitigating what the organization was trying to do. So at some point things get so overmanaged that forms, procedures, things are going to dominate at some point and they're, they're taking out almost all creativity mm -hmm. and self-thinking. And that became quite extreme in banking in the last five to ten years, uh, at least, after the, the credit crunch. And um, 
uh, yeah, I think we are extremely fortunate to have so much freedom and uh, not full because we have large investors behind us. So it's not like uh, a real startup um, uh, originating from a garage box or something like that. It's, it's, it's really different from that. Um, but like what I started with, with this office, we just asked the team and we discussed what feels best in the team. And if people say, well, it, this is us then we don't need 20 committees no. to go through and to make that decision. We'll just do it together. Okay, then that's what we go for. Do we have the budget? Yes, we do. Let's go for it. And then in two weeks, we arranged it. More efficient, leaner, basically shorter communication. Yeah, and it makes people happier because they're very close to that kind of decision making, yeah. which sounds maybe um, less relevant, but to choose an office and a location is quite important actually, because we are now finding out that that two, three days a week, another thing, hybrid working, is something that we can set up ourselves the way we want it. So that was 2016, you said, right? When you won that innovation project. We're now 2022. Yes. You have a board, obviously, or a management team. You have an office. What happened in those past kind of six years? Yes. So. Um, the idea that the companies didn't like was replaced with something that we learned when talking to even more of those companies, let's say between 10 and 500 million turnover annually. And what we saw is that a lot of the controllers work, treasurers work is done with Excel sheets and they struggle a lot. Um, only the last steps of those journeys were done in the bank's platforms, in our case, the, to, to buy a spot or a forward product, to buy dollars, for example, today or for next month. Um, and, and when we uh, were educated, like, try to find out what are the risks here, what do they struggle with, and can, can you prove that? Uh, it turned out that the mistakes that they made were pretty costly a lot of times for those companies. For sure, yeah. So together, at some point, if you have a, a um, sufficiently good relationship with those SMEs, they even allow you to sit next to them and to show you like what they're working on and how their Excel sheets work and what they struggle with. So when we saw that, we thought, could we help them to automate a much larger part of what they're trying to do and take out those errors and unnecessary usage of time for repetitive tasks? Mm -hmm. And that became something that um, still back then within Rabo was called Easy Trade. We just gave it a name, let's call it Easy Trade. And um, more and more of those clients started using our uh, foreign exchange hedging module, which was a new thing hanging next to a module, a large platform that Marine, our CTO and myself, built in 2007 when I was heading uh, the electronic distribution department of financial markets and Marine was my IT counterpart as manager of the project teams for financial markets. So together with 40 people, we had this huge project to build a Forex platform that we couldn't find off the shelf. Mm -hmm. So, and, and now we were eight years later down the line, um, reinventing uh, such an online foreign exchange platform with the tools that we got from this moonshot innovation campaign and the entrepreneurs. So we literally saw and believed this is 10 times better. And we asked to, I, I still remember that, to, to the COO of, of Rabobank Group, the executive board, like, can we have a carte blanche on building it with the technology stack that we want and with the principles that we want? 
and I remember that he was smoking a cigar downstairs in um, where we where we park all of our bikes, thousands of bikes, and he said, "Yeah, Niels, that's fine as long as you never get me in trouble." I.e., you need to um, pass the same tests as anyone else in the bank, and I said, "That's fair." So. Um, uh, same tests, uh, uh, different process to get there, and we learned also there it can be so much cheaper and more efficient, and, and we based that uh, on our methodology, which was already back then much more agile, flexible. We hired an IT engineer and um, an engineering party in Romania, um, and we developed our own technology stack. And then when it became more mature, the entrepreneurs came back to us after one, two years and said, but how are you going to earn any money with this? Because the only thing you're doing is shifting clients from Rabo, your old platform called Rabo Transact to EasyTrade. And clients are happier, but it doesn't earn the bank a single euro more. Mm -hmm. So what to do? So we sat down for days and days, uh, like what should be our business model, which was the first step towards that second phase, like can we earn money with this, uh, the monetization part. And at some point we thought what we should do, we should um, go one level down in the value chain, uh, because the entrepreneur said do what you do best. And we thought what are we good at and that's one important lesson for entrepreneurs like what are you extremely good at because that's the part which you can exploit and make money with so we thought what we are good at is building business front ends i.e business purpose front ends around banking that's what we're really good at so what we thought what we could do in and going one level down in the chain we could offer our platform to other banks and say well we built this it's latest technology would you be interested it's validated with hundreds of companies uh, already back then, uh, two yeah. years down the line. And that was the most the, uh, most exciting time in, in this whole journey, I think, so far. That was just each of us trying to position ourselves as new management members. And my role was literally to step into the plane, ring the doorbell of a, of a bank and say, well, I'm Niels, I'm from Easy Trade. You probably don't know me. Nobody has heard of us. <laughs> I, I have some online solutions here that you may like. And well, uh, of course, that's hugely complicated, like how to get a bank, buy your stuff, if you're only a small department within Rabo yeah. and not out there in the market. And But some way, somehow, we managed to get our first bank, which was OP in Finland, and they trusted us to do it. And, 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 they, and they said, what's your price? I said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We, ne we never offered this to a bank. And, and Probably if you speak with every entrepreneur who has started up from scratch, that's the kind of early stage things that you can now laugh about. Like, how did we ever get that off the ground? Yeah. And you need a little bit of luck. You also need to be damn good in what you do, because otherwise you don't get into a bank. But that combination was crucial to move into offering online solutions, white label to banks managed by us in the cloud mm -hmm. and that's currently our business model and that's what we started off with um, two years ago and that's when we started selling it to other banks as well. Ready to make an impact? We're looking for a head of product development for an innovative health tech seeking ways to create smooth access to healthcare by layering fintech solutions on top of insurance integrations. A small but powerful team of 25 based in Vienna and Berlin, you'll join one of Austria's strongest growing, biggest seed rounds, leading independent provider in the health tech space. 
Get in touch with Jacqueline Mulhausen at Jacqueline, J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N-E at teampcm.com. Email in the description below. Of that, so actually it real really came to fruition in the bike parking area of the Rabobank. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least that, uh, that uh, well, that's how Marine and I, uh, for example, work together. Marine said, I need complete freedom. I said, okay, I will try to arrange that for you. And so that's how it always worked with the three of us. Like, who is the best equipped to get that thing done or discussed or sold to a bank or whatever, whatever example we have? And then uh, try to leverage on somebody's skills or network, etc. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's one of those milestones that was um, quite important because that fresh new technology stack and everything developed and designed by us is of course your starting point uh, in, as one of the unique selling points uh, of being attractive to clients. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it sounds like it's, it's very much been a uh, building the car whilst driving type of situation, yeah. as you see with many yeah. startups, obviously, and it's probably still going on. Yes. Um, why? No, first with regards to banks, so you have the Rabble Bank you work with. Yes. OP Financial Group. Yes. Is another one. Then came KBC. Yeah. Large bank in Belgium, as you may know. Yeah. Then came Nordia, and um, last year we also got LBBW, London's Bank, Bayern Württemberg. Uh, and Sparkasse Group in Germany, a giant in Germany. Yeah. And we have recently signed a contract with a bank in Sweden, which we're probably allowed to announce in one or two weeks from now. So now we're really getting there in terms of some large names. Yeah. Um, and um, we are now really moving a bit further away also uh, out of Europe. Uh, because if you sell to banks, then suddenly, of course, you have a global target market. Yeah, and there's only that many banks in uh, Europe, right? It's not as if they continuously increase. Although, although you have challenger banks, yes. which might not necessarily be a target audience for you just yet, or yes, they are because okay. what we like about them, they're fully digital. So, uh, but a lot of those challenger banks are really retail oriented or lower tier corporate oriented. Mm -hmm. So, and they like building a lot themselves. So uh, we like them because there's a lot of possibilities, but um, biggest upside uh, that we've see so, seen so far in interest is from the traditional players. Because yeah, they, they are really having quite some challenges uh, competing. What do you see if you say, okay, we're going outside of Europe now? Do you see there the needs being different or the markets being developed differently so that your product fits in? better or again different and you build products specifically for them or how does that look? Yeah, it's a bit like with most other companies I would say. So it's refreshing to learn that there's always regional nuances and sometimes yeah. real differences. So I'm definitely not a believer in one size fits all. So if you, for example, look at Australia where we are already active not only with our platform, but also with uh, one of our major investors being OFX. But with our platform, you learn that in Australia, as some people might know, there's a couple of very large bank players. Uh, the big four, for example, as they're sometimes called. Um, they're quite uh, dominant. Um, they're fiercely competing. And uh, the market is really, uh, let me put it this way, so there's quite some tough regulations and clients are getting a bit frustrated 
because um, it has always been those four. Mm -hmm. So if there's new parties coming in, uh, a lot of um, potential clients like that, uh, but it's very difficult to get in. That's maybe an example of Australia. If, if we look at Europe, um, a lot of new things start in the Nordics. That's, that's why we have potentially been so successful in the Nordics, like open banking, automated hedging, bookkeeping connections. So we learn a lot um, from the Nordics and then you see it filtering down into Southern Europe. So in Europe, there's this very interesting pattern north to south. Uh, in the US, it's a completely different ballgame. So there's a couple of very large players, mm -hmm. and these players are so large that you cannot actually see them anymore as American players. Let's say Citibank, JP Morgan, Bank of America. They're so large that um, they stand like 10 steps above the next level. Um, a real payments heavyweight? We're looking for a corporate development manager located in Hamburg, Germany to lead the strategic development for a fast-growing payments company. Relevant professional experience in the strategic management consultancy and passion for e-commerce and digitization will be fantastic. Get in touch with Jacqueline Mulhausen at Jacqueline, J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N-E at teampacian.com. Email in the description below. South America, and that is a new region uh, that we're going to try to tap into South America, Africa. Um, there's a lot of what we call tier three banks and mm -hmm. tier three when it comes to foreign exchange hedging. A lot of these markets still do most of the foreign exchange trading over the phone, and uh, but they're interested to move to online. Well, we're pretty good at that, we think, um, uh, because we because we operate in the cloud, because mm -hmm. we focus so much on ease of use, uh, we're trying to find out can we um, have a standard stripped version of our product for tier three banks. Uh, but what we learned there, for example, in South America, like um, because of corruption, the uh, vendor due diligence processes and request for proposal processes are very, very tough and very bureaucratic in order for those banks to prove to the government were compliant. Ah. So I can talk for hours on that subject, but, the, but the, the summary of what I'm trying to say is each region is different. Yeah. And in each region, we're trying to A, get a sales representative and B, really uh, know it in terms of building a network and knowing about the context, like what's really happening in this region and where could we fit in. You can't be a specialist or an expert everywhere. You need to need local specialists who know something of the markets and the context, like you said, uh, specifically to that region. Yes, and because we sp speak at the moment to approximately 70, 80 banks around the world, suddenly the world is not that large anymore because then you quite quickly see patterns. So we speak with banks in every continent. So that's why we get a picture of Asia, not fully, but we are getting a picture there. We're getting a picture of Australia. We're getting a picture of Africa, different countries there. We're getting a picture of North and South America, including Canada so and Europe for sure. Uh, and that is um, uh, one of the eye-openers for me, um, that as a, as a company with only 35 people, uh, quite quickly you could even become global and learn from that as long as uh, you're organized in a smart way. Mm -hmm. um, um, and having that on your strategic agenda, like guys, we're going global. 
so um, uh, we always admit we don't know so let's take that as an assumption of course we don't know but we learn and learn and, and you can learn quite quickly by just getting out there and COVID makes that very easy like we don't need to travel anymore in the past I was in the plane every two weeks and now I'm never in a plane anymore uh, but it's quite easy to just open zoom and then start a meeting with any banker anywhere are you not afraid you're spreading yourself too thin by having, I mean, there's opportunity everywhere, that's pretty clear, right? But if you look at Europe, Africa, LATAM, US, we've not even spoken about Asia, but I'm sure that there's tons of opportunities there as well. Yeah. Are you not afraid of spreading yourself too thin or how do you make sure you're not spreading yourself too thin? Yeah, that's a nice one because to, to be honest, that's also one of the discussions I have with the shareholders, like um, that is a healthy challenge. And what I always say is that if you're a bank relationship manager, um, it's difficult to get eight banks on the phone during a day. Yeah. So um, if you have 40, 50 hours, whatever per week that you are doing that, then it's relatively easy to spread your attention, make connections with different banks. Um, doesn't mean yet that we have the machine behind it to uh, run all of that. Mm. So from a relationship management point of view, we don't have a global coverage yet. Um, we have a, a new person that has recently joined in June last year that is doing uh, Central Eastern Europe and uh, Africa and South America. And we have a new guy that came in a bit later in December and he's doing the US, North America and Canada. And I'm mainly doing uh, Australia and Europe, Western Europe. So um, between the three of us, that is doable. We're hiring somebody most likely in the APEC region, so Asia, Asia Pacific and Australia. Yeah. And then our coverage is okay-ish. It's not there, but it's quite something because we did that in 12 months. To build relationships takes at least another 12 months. And then we don't have coverage in, uh, for example, the Middle East. Um, um, so that means that um, um, if something comes out uh, of such regions and even uh, multiple opportunities, mm -hmm. then quite quickly we are challenged uh, elsewhere in the chain. Can we provide local time zone support in local languages, etc.? But that's a challenge I'd like to just take on because why not? If you are uh, seeing tier two, tier one banks as your major clients and maybe tier three, um, then what you're saying, there's only so many banks in the world. Eh? There's um, a few hundred that are really potential targets for us. So if each uh, relationship manager has a network of 30, 40, 50 banks, um, they are not all requesting treasure up right now. So it just takes time. It's, 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 pretty com it's complex sales, eh? bank sales. And that means that um, um, it's easier to just see where the opportunities are through the front office and then to build the rest of the organization around some banks really becoming interested in the region. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Uh, and again, it gives you a lot of context as well towards your products. Do you see across those regions one overarching theme or challenge with the banks, why they choose to engage with you or even uh, work with you? Um, thinking maybe because you serve mainly SME clients is because they have a challenge to serve SME clients in the best way possible? Yes, yeah, so there's a couple of things. So on um, uh, 
traditionally banks have done their same trick for decades mm. and that means that uh, bank the sales side of a bank has mainly sold products and and they've not always asked a lot of questions uh, to their clients like how do you work and how can we improve and let alone how can we improve digitally so that part has been lacking a lot so if if I ask a banker like what do you know about this client a lot of times it's quite appalling they don't know that much they just know that they the client is keen on product X or product Y but why that is and where they use it for and how those exposures are generated etc etc it's difficult to get out of them it's not been very consultative no exactly so that's literally what we say maybe bankers should move more from sales to consultative sales asking the right questions making fit gaps the other thing is the multi-channel approach so um, to really have true multi-channel means that the relationship managers and front office specialists of a bank work seamlessly together with web and mobile and nowadays even APIs mm -hmm. and that is far from mature um, so a lot of banks don't operate multi-channel um, so there's another opportunity the other thing what you're saying the SME market so um, in our case SMEs are really uh, the sweet spot for us is the medium-sized company, so 10 to 500 million. The lower end is rather basic, plain vanilla, in the way they work. The medium-level clients, that's where the banks can add a lot of value, because that's where companies are uh, maturing a bit, they're professionalizing a bit, they're going to hire people dedicated on finance or even controllers or dedicated treasurers. And these people don't have large departments and processes to lean on, so they're just doing the best they try to, the best they can. Um, if a bank would work optimally in our vision, then it all comes together. Then you have a consultative salesperson, he or she will make a very good assessment, how do you work, how can the bank really help you to get to the next maturity level in your company. Um, then there's no silos within a bank, that's mm -hmm. another major thing, it's so siloed. Online is one smooth thing. So what we're saying as a summary, a bank has very good playing cards. They have the products, they have the smart people, they have the balance sheet, they have the IT power and still they still have quite sufficient budgets. So in principle, one could say banks should still be extremely strong. In reality, if you look at uh, where banks come from, where they stand today, and if you read The Economist, for example, where they will, will, will be in 10 to 20 years, they're, they're getting smaller and smaller. And maybe rightfully so, because they've done their same trick for decades and it's not good enough anymore. So that's why fintechs and brokers and multi-dealer and uh, platforms have taken huge chunks out of their top-line revenues. Mm -hmm. And what we are saying as Treasure Up, um, originating partially from banks and knowing a lot about companies, is uh, up your game. And that's why we also changed our name from Easy Trade. We wanted to get rid of the word trade. It's also related to the foreign exchange world, which is uh, reflecting the silo. Treasure Up is now building all kinds of things in terms of cash visibility, forecasting, foreign exchange payments. So we're moving also in the payments world. So. We're saying to a bank, don't just take our software, take our services. Mm -hmm. And that means we're going to help you to bring people together, to think multi-channel, to move towards consultative sales, and to think from a company's point of view. Interesting. How do you see the future? Yes, I think there's a very bright future um, for us because 
um, we are stipulating some scenarios where we think the market might be going mm -hmm. and acknowledging that bank banks might still get smaller they are um, now really realizing since five years or so like we need to innovate so a lot of heads of markets or transaction banking corporate banking commercial banking have now got innovation high on their agendas from higher management like you need to innovate so and, and the second thing is by build a lot of banks no longer want to build everything themselves because they've learned it's expensive they don't get it commercially attractive uh, so there's a lot of opportunities for treasure up to say well we have some ideas for you that's um, the, the, the side from the banks if you look at the market there's so many new technologies now popping up yeah um, decentralized finance um, uh, bookkeeper connections like a bit earlier a bit closer to now a lot of companies want to do straight through processing of transactions so bookkeeping connections the whole open banking world which is um, at the early stage of their maturity curve how to get the total insights from all of your banks um, to add new products and to think more in ecosystems so supply chain finance programs whereby a whole supply chain is being served by a bank or partially being served but at least perceived as as a whole so the nice thing about finance at least that's our belief at treasure up is that there's so much going on it's such a big world in every aspect and there's so many new developments that as long as we clearly pick our battles like where do we want to be front runners in it at the moment that's uh, open banking and bookkeeping connections mm -hmm. and we already are front runners in automated hedging then uh, uh, then it's a very nice journey to to invite some banks like let's do it together and um, that means that based on your question where is the future going to take us I think that I would like treasure up to grow into a provider that can develop a whole commercial banking portal and not a couple of components in there uh, to uh, bring them back into the competitive arena with uh, value adding services instead of product or margin oriented services so banks really felt in the trap like let's work with these brokers towards even lowering the prices even further yeah that is one thing to look at it I think a lot of those SMEs are struggling how to do those processes right and to not make mistakes so banks could do a more in the educational and learning elements and we can really help them with that um, and that's when hopefully an SME may find ah this is what I expect from my bank my bank really helps me and it's not just a payments platform that I use once a week to run a payment batch through no all right okay so it's technology change definitely but it's, it sounds like it's also a cultural and mindset kind of change with the banks maybe specifically right we've been more focused on money making rather than value creation yeah so um, um i have a couple of those scenarios and one even goes a bit further so um and and that moves us into you could route different financial products either to within the bank like the bank can deal with this request from a client or you can route it to the market that's sometimes what happens already with large corporates to syndicate something or to find um, are there potential investors that want to pick up this individual invoice in terms of insurance or finance pre-financing it etc or foreign exchange hedge even um, the other part, um, 
we might move more towards that consulting uh, area because um, we learn so much from talking to these banks all around the world that one of the other viewpoints is why are banks building their own stuff with their own beliefs um, if they look a little bit more at each other uh, it's pretty similar what they're all doing mm -hmm. um, if you look at western banks tier ones or uh, let's say Asian tier twos, there's so much similarity that it doesn't make sense that each bank builds its own stuff, costs millions, difficult to maintain. So what we're trying to say, let's learn from each other um, and focus on the value add. Um, so there's so much opportunities for Treasure Up that the, the challenge is more which one to choose and how to make a proper selection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And who to do it with, right? Because exactly. you're now with 12 people. Well, um, yes and no. So we have 12 people in what we call the Dutch team, but the Dutch team is not really a Dutch team. We're open uh, for resourcing in, uh, at the moment, mainly Western Europe, mm -hmm. because the hybrid working allows us to be at home for two, three, four days a week, and for some even five. Yeah. And then we have a person in Finland and one in Switzerland and one in Sweden, and we invite them to come here in Utrecht at least three, four times a year. And that works quite nicely because then suddenly uh, Western Europe is your uh, recruitment area. Yeah. And then we have an IT engineering partner where we have approximately 25 people uh, working for us uh, dedicatedly. So in, in total we uh, have over 35 uh, people working uh, dedicatedly for Treasure Up. However on LinkedIn you won't find it in that way because we'd like that partnership with the IT engineering partner yeah. um, they can scale up much faster than we can and um, then they can manage that part um, and, 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 and based on what you just said the ecosystem approach it might be that we're going to grow our ecosystem so I also don't believe that it should only be about how many people do you have on your payroll mm. because payrolling is one thing uh, a lot of youngsters nowadays want to be contractors so also all of those things are becoming more hybrid Definitely. anywhere anytime whatever contract as long as it creates a lot of freedom with people and and what we learned at treasure up um, even if they want to be contractors uh, it didn't tell us anything about their dedication because some of them have already worked for us for a very long time as long as you offer a very nice place to work exactly yeah so from a recruitment point of view where you foresee the biggest needs coming up yeah that in in that what the, between Brexit a Dutch team which is not really the full Dutch team but in that uh, team um, um, we have some more complex uh, recruitment requests yeah. one is always uh, sales and relationship management um, so we hire out of the Netherlands but what I said earlier the person now in the APEC region will be located in Asia and Australia. But we still consider him or her to be part of the Dutch team mm -hmm. because now we uh, distinguish between the Romanian IT engineering team and the Dutch team. Uh, uh, the other area would be uh, risk management. So we're seeking a security uh, manager, information security manager, and a lot of IT firms, banks, financial institutions are now trying to find an uh, uh, information security manager so um, we have pretty high demands for that because of what we do um, marketing and uh, we need to be better at marketing so uh, another area close related to sales maybe senior architects that could also complement the Dutch team and have a vision on what should the ecosystem architecture look like 
uh, when it goes beyond uh, uh, the IT engineering team in areas where we need another IT engineering team from. Suppose they come from North America, how should our architecture look like? Yeah. So it's pretty complex uh, jobs, it's a lot of times quite senior and that's why a large part of our funding goes into people because yeah uh, that's really where we make the difference with you need the hands in order to build the products in order to do the selling in order to do the marketing you can't do that you can't automate everything no the hands but maybe more the brains we need very smart brains and um, um, if you pitch for a tier one bank uh, then what we've seen and i'm very proud of that uh, four years ago uh, compared to right now it's unbelievable, mm. like uh, sometimes a bank says, I'm blown away. So if we can blow a bank away with 12 people in the Dutch team and 25 in the Romanian team with our background, uh, and then looking how much executive levels we have on the other side of the video conference, pretty proud to, to, um, to, achieve, um, to have achieved that. Um, uh, and to inspire those brains, those people at any moment, uh, to keep them happy. Uh, that's the next challenge. So to bring them in is challenge one, but to keep them happy. And for that also, it needs to be a very inspiring working environment. And there's people listening now and they, they, they like your story, but why should they come work for Treasure? And why do you think is now is a good time for them to join in any of the roles you mentioned, sales relationship, marketing, architecture, IT compliance? Yeah, I think a lot of things can be combined at Treasure Web. Um, um, first, it is uh, uh, complex stuff. So if you like uh, banks and finance, there's a lot to chew on, like how to get it right. There's a lot of um, developments. Um, it goes very fast. Um, so that fintech world, if you like that, then there's so many possibilities. So if you're up for the job, then uh, well, you can spend uh, years on uh, educating yourself and then still not really get there or get close. So there's a lot in that market. Secondly, it's global. So if you like the global approach, a lot of people came to us because they could travel. Well, we had to disappoint <laughs> them, <laughs> but that not because of uh, not because of us, but it's truly global. So the international environment inspires a lot of people because you get into different cultures, different habits, uh, different countries, regions. Uh, thirdly, we're very flexible because uh, wherever you are, wherever you want to work, uh, also how you run your family at home, like um, as long as you do the job. So we're not that strict because we uh, expect our people to be intrinsically motivated and, and we've always attracted for some reason those people. So you never have to watch them or it just it works because they get inspiration from what they do. I think um, Fourthly, like um, um, I think it's a tangible product to um, uh, implement uh, online services to say uh, to your partner, for example, at, ho at home, like uh, if I drove with my kids through Germany uh, towards Austria for skiing, like, look, this is a bank that daddy serves. <laughs> it makes you proud. Yeah. And, um, and, and last week I was in Romania and there was a lady new to the team. She said, look, I'm standing in front of this bank here making a picture. I was so proud when I saw that bank in, uh, in the Nordics that I thought I have to picture myself with that bank. So um, the impact of what we do can make people very proud. And then fifthly, like um, there is no one size fits all. There is no one path. So. Uh, uh, brains and, and uh, the, the technical side is one thing, but it, it, it's, it may sound strange, but it can be very creative at Treasure Up. Because, for example, the bank that has now asked us to come up with some new ideas, 
they give us a kind of carte blanche like give us inspire us where do you think we should invest in and can you can you do that for us so people um, can really excel if they have the right skill set and if they don't then but they have a good starting point then uh, we're also very liberal open to find the appropriate paths like um, how can you become a star player for example our growth hacker she said i want some mentoring we found an international growth hacking mentoring platform didn't oh, wow. know it existed and now she said, i'm so inspired by that platform and i can bring that all back to treasure up so there's a lot of reasons i think that if you find our context attractive then hopefully at some point we can also uh, um, uh, prove that uh, as a company I think we're very attractive and because who, who wouldn't like to work <laughs> for, for a scale-up, international context, large banks as clients and prospects. I think that is a very uh, attractive starting point for a lot of uh, primarily young people to start or uh, further grow their career in. Yeah, if I might add to that, obviously been working together on a recruitment site for a little while now. I think it's also yep. the knowledge you guys have, you've been in the market yourself, so it's a market you're, you're very familiar with and there's also clearly enthusiasm and energy coming off you guys in terms of what you do and what you try to achieve and uh, what you um, tell your people, so I think that's uh, it's really cool to see. Yeah, I think the cooperation is going very well. We have a very complex uh, file on our desk, like can we get there, but the way that you deal with that as well, that, that's the kind of thing we have internally as well. It's not always easy, but once we find that person, yeah. he or she is going to make all the difference, and we know. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Great, Niels. I think we could probably talk for hours, because yes. there are many more questions <laughs> I wanted to ask, but uh, I think uh, we'll leave it for now. It might be a good reason for uh, another episode, but great to have you. Uh, thanks for welcoming me in the office as well to do the recording. Um, and if people want to find out more about you guys, obviously go to treasureup.com. Yes. Any other place they can go? LinkedIn. That's a, a, a channel we use a lot. Perfect. And for hiring, either the website or come to us, PCN, um, to uh, see if we can uh, get the right candidates in. Um, thanks for being here. As the Americans say, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much, Bobby. Thank you for checking in with FinTech. If you enjoyed this week's episode, subscribe, like, and leave us a comment below. We'll be having more industry leaders next week. Tune in next week for more. Thanks for listening. And we'd like to leave you with a more serious message from our partner Free Your Girl, who are dedicated to founding child prostitution and impunity all over the world. Hi, I'm Eveline, CEO and founder of Free Your Girl. Every day, two million children, especially girls, are being held captive worldwide. They are locked up and exploited in brothels, dance bars, or online, forced into sexual exploitation. Their freedom is taken away together with their youth, family, and future. We are dedicated to fight sexual exploitation of children by rescuing these girls. Please join us, unlock their freedom, and unlock your potential by becoming a business partner. Please visit freegirl.com for more information. Thank you.